Hello, and welcome to The X-Ray. I'm Fernando Espuelas. First, let me explain what we're doing here. There are a lot of great podcasts, and there's some really great political podcasts, but we're doing something different. We're taking a different road. We're taking a fresh look at our political system. Introducing The X-Ray, a new political podcast about political power. Who wants it, who wills it, and why? A penetrating analysis of the biggest issues facing American politics. Interviews with power players, conversations with politicos, experts, and national journalists. And a special segment called X-Ray Vision, a fun exploration of the real person behind the political title. I'm your host, Fernando Espuelas, and I hope you'll join me every week on The X-Ray. For more information, check out thexray.org, and don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. The X-Ray is a project of Issue One. I'm Weston Womp, and this is Swamp Stories, presented by Issue One. As co-chairs of Issue One's Reformers Caucus, former Indiana Democratic Congressman Tim Romer and former Tennessee Republican Congressman Zach Womp often speak about their time working across party lines in Congress. They've continued that work out of office and made a lot of headlines doing so. Recently, Ambassador Romer penned an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal calling out his own party for less-than-honorable campaign practices. Womp, who is also my dad, has also called out his party a lot in recent years. I hope you enjoy our conversation. This is episode 44, Calling Balls and Strikes with Romer and Womp. Well, Ambassador uh, and Congressman slash Dad, uh, thanks for joining us to talk about an important trend that should be discussed coming out of the primaries this um, this midterm cycle, and also an opportunity for us just to debrief about the incredible work that you guys have led as the co-chairs of Issue One's Reformers Caucus. But to start out. Ambassador Romer, will you just give us a summary of what led you to want to write the piece that ran recently in the Wall Street Journal about this unusual campaign tactic that the DCCC and others used uh, to support, of all things, a few right-wing candidates? Yeah, thank you, Weston. Good to be with you. This strategy or tactic by the DCCC is as transparent as it is twisted. It uh, is a strategy uh, deployed by the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee uh, using cynicism at its very best or worst to fund and promote election deniers, usually Trump-endorsed Republican candidates in primaries, and get them to win so that the Democrats in the fall three months later, has a better opportunity to win, presumably, against a weaker candidate. Now, why is that so wrong? Well, first of all, it's wrong because, you know, we, we hear the argument the Democrats need to hold on to power. Uh, you know, it could come down to a seat. Uh, all fair and love and politics. Uh, you, 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 you should uh, 
some argue, be able to deploy anything to keep control of the House. I argue that this is crossing a bright red line of morals and ethics that should never be crossed, that Democrats who've made uh, Trump and election deniers uh, a, a campaign issue nationally cannot distort that message and go on the other side to temporarily support election deniers for three or four months with the hope that they'll beat them. That's too cynical. It is politics and it's very worst. It is sacrificing a good issue that we have and it is risking that these election deniers get another three, four months of airtime and can promote their election denying lies and conspiracy theories in key states like Michigan, where this happened between uh, Representative uh, Peter Meyer and uh, his challenger, John Gibbs. Dad, your thoughts. I mean, this is, uh, I think, a classic example of some Midwestern Romer courage. Um, You know, I've seen a lot of it displayed, saw some of it growing up from you. And then certainly in recent years, as our party has told a lot of half truths and some untruths, you've held the line in a way that uh, reminds me of the leadership that Ambassador Romer is showing here. Yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of Tim Romer for speaking out, not just uh, mildly about this, but boldly about this, because it, it is the worst of the win at all cost mindset now of American politics. You, you, there, there are things you should not do, no matter what, whether it means losing uh, in life and in politics. And this is an example of that. And his courage to speak out about it against his own party's actions uh, are very similar to your and my courage speaking out about January the 6th and the election deniers and how bad that is, because in a sense, they're very similar. They are people who will not accept reality uh, and will win at all costs and, and engage in politics that run that literally sends your generation, Weston, completely in the other direction, saying, I don't want to have anything to do with that because that's just terrible, uh, you know, and I don't want to be involved in something that's that unethical. And, you know, number one, Tim Romer and I both embrace this notion that neither party has an exclusive on integrity and neither party has an exclusive on ideas. And that while we're in vigorous battles over big issues, Uh, We need to treat each other like human beings. And in this case, uh, we've seen awful politics, but this is, like he says, the height of cynicism uh, and and really unethical and a terrible trend. And people from both sides need to speak out about these type actions, just like we need to speak out together about what happened January the 6th. And anyone who doesn't embrace uh, the peaceful transfer of power and acceptance of of free and fair elections after the uh, ballots are all cast. Uh, We can do elections better. Uh, There's no question they're not perfect, but they're the best in the world. And we need to recognize that. And we should not let people who don't recognize that destroy the political process like this from both sides. Well, and to put a fine point on it, one of the incumbents who ended up taking the brunt of this strategy was Peter Meyer from Michigan, young military veteran, uh, voted to impeach President Trump. Uh, Ambassador, I think that was probably one of the scenarios in which many on your side of the aisle 
cringed because nobody would debate that Peter Meyer is a person, whether you agree with him on impeachment or not, he's a person of uh, upstanding character and and quite a bit of courage. And uh, it, it certainly seemed as though there was a cheap political tactic just to win a seat. Well, that's a good point, Weston. Uh, you know, this win at all costs uh, philosophy that the Democratic Party seems to be embracing, uh, where they will, you know, fund this John Gibbs candidate who was Trump endorsed over Peter Meyer, the incumbent who voted for Trump's impeachment, is an existential threat uh, to the way we are you know, uh, establish our constitution, our peaceful transfer of power as a country. It's plain and simple. I've gotten some flack back from the Democratic Party. I organized a letter signed by 35 Democrats, um, leaders of our party to object to this DCCC tactic and strategy. But some of the folks in the Democratic Party have uh, struck back and said, look, um, you, you, you're off base. We need to be able to preserve our majority, look at all the issues that are at stake if we lose the gavel of the speakership and the committee chairs. And my argument back to them is just as forceful, saying, you know, if, if you will corrupt power to win at any cost, that, that causes a serious deterioration of trust in our American institutions. And that hurts the United States of America uh, in the short and the long term. And besides, I argue that the Democrats now have a pretty compelling uh, agenda of successes that they could sell. Uh, they don't need to be taking this very cynical and Machiavellian tactical uh, thrust in, in taking out Republicans and elevating election deniers. They can talk about a bipartisan infrastructure bill to compete with China. They can talk about, um, you know, the first uh, uh, gun legislation to protect our children from massacres in schools in 20 years. They can talk about uh, the Chips and Science Act that's going to create new jobs throughout the Midwest uh, in manufacturing and to put the U.S. in a more competitive position on uh, on the economy. You know, the, the, that's a positive message. Why get down in the mud and the dirt and into the gutter on this tactic, taking out a good guy like Peter Meyer? Um, Zach and I will go back and forth and we will, <laughs> we will disagree on some issues. But one of the things we agree on is uh, not only do we need a strong democracy and we need to speak out against the January 6th attack on our Capitol, we need two strong parties. Uh, I, as a Democrat, recognize that you have to have a strong Republican Party that is a viable opposition minority party that can win elections at times. And we'll fight fiercely with them to win elections, but we're not going to fight dirty. We're not going to fight unethically. We're not going to fight in, in ways that destroy the Americans' trust in their system. Lastly here, is there a statutory or a legislative remedy uh, often these types of issues you know, run up against First Amendment concerns, but at the same time, categorically, when you run political ads, you often have to designate whether you're running in support of or in opposition to uh, a candidate. That's just a part of uh, campaign disclosures under federal law. 
is it necessary that legislative remedies be considered or can we just find our way to a ceasefire on these types of tactics? You can't legislate yourself, uh, you know, into a moral position. You know, it, it, you can't legislate morality, so to speak. Um, th- this is a hard one because of First Amendment rights on campaigns. You, you and I have seen even in our own races, Weston, how people's actions are protected uh, in a campaign under the First Amendment, even if they're completely outrageous and they're erroneous. Uh, you, there Sometimes there's legal recourse, sometimes there's not. This is where people of conscience like Tim Romer have to speak out. And if they do, then it's almost like a check within your own camp of whether or not you can get away with it or not, because you can get away with things, but that doesn't make them right. And it doesn't make them American. You know, if, if we're going to sustain this Republic, you know, if we're going to preserve it, we have to have people of high character speak. That's one powerful thing about the reformers caucus. You get 200 former members of Congress together they're more likely to tell the truth about things than 200 current members of Congress. Why? Because we don't have the leadership of our parties breathing down our neck, threatening us, telling us how much money we have to give them in order to maintain our positions on committees, et cetera. So we don't have as much pressure. That's why you should listen to organizations like Issue One's Reformers Caucus with 200 former members of Congress, because collectively we can actually speak to the long-term sustainability of certain things in this country, including this. And this reminds me, this is not just one party or the other, but Weston, you remember this clearly. About 20 years ago, Tom DeLay stood up at one of our conference meetings, Republican conference, and said the most important thing that we can do for this country is to hold our majority. And I challenged him. I stood up and I said, leader delay, I would argue with that premise. I believe the most important thing we can do is to stand on the Constitution, do what we said as candidates that we would do, follow through on our commitments and be honest with the American people. And being in the majority will take care of itself. If you do the right thing and you're honorable, the majority will take care of itself. And so if your end justifies the means mindset would cause you to do what we're talking about today, then you're going to fail. Ultimately, you're going to fail. And we have the ability to tell that truth. And it's an American notion that if you do the right thing, you will succeed. Ambassador, I'll give you the last word. Well, I agree with um, what Congressman Womp has said. Uh, we, we won't agree on everything across parties and we cannot legislate everything. You know, some things come down to uh, your conscience and what you're taught by your you know, grandparents and parents and your community and what you learn in church uh, to do the right thing and to bring the right thing and sometimes courage to politics and to the public arena and to stand up for what you believe in, even when that means taking on flack from friends or from your own party or from very powerful and influential people that uh, can, can, can stir things up and cause you problems. Um, we can't legislate this answer, but we can do two things about it. One, we can speak out and write op-eds and reach out to our leadership. Congressman John Patrick Maloney is the head of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. I've sent him the letter signed by 35 prominent Democrats. I've called him and reached out to him to communicate to him directly and tell him that we should stop this cease and desist right away. 
And I've also reached out to some of the Democratic leadership in Congress who have conversations with Congressman Maloney as the head of the DCCC. Uh, there are several members of Congress that can speak to him and could potentially withhold dues to the Democratic Party if he doesn't uh, cease and desist from this. And then the other means is the Reformers Caucus itself through issue one. Uh, Congressman Wamp and I are co-chairs of this organization. It's over 200 members, former senators, ambassadors, congressmen. Uh, it's about half Democrats and half Republicans. And we go up to the Hill and talk to current members of Congress about reforming the Electoral Count Act so that we don't have the kind of disruption that we had back on January 6th in terms of a peaceful transfer of power. And we update that archaic act and we do it in a bipartisan way. Uh, we're working on things such as uh, individual conversations through the Congressional Dialogue Series and Braver Politics to have a Democrat and a Congressman, uh, Republican sit down together and talk to each other, get to know each other and trust each other. That's the coin of the realm of getting things done and legislating in Congress, working across the aisle, and we're trying to facilitate that kind of trust and those relationships. And as uh, Congressman uh, Wamp said, we're working on a host of reforms and initiatives at the state level to try to make sure that Democrats and Republicans uh, put our uh, republic and democracy and constitution over party, and we continue to work on securing our poll workers making sure that uh, other countries can't hack into our election system and have bipartisan solutions to uh, making sure we have fair and free elections. That Reformers Caucus is doing great work, and we need to continue that and uh, be even more effective in the future. Well, thanks to both of you for your partnership and support of this podcast and for speaking out on issues like this one, where the easier route, certainly ambassador, is just to shut up and hope that your party wins. So thanks to both of you. Pleasure. Nice to be with you. Always great to be with Congressman Wobb. You're here. Thanks for listening to Swamp Stories, presented by Issue One, the country's leading political reform organization that unites Republicans, Democrats, and independents to fix our broken political system. Please subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends. Even better, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts to help us reach more listeners. You can find out more at swampstories.org. I'm your host, Weston Wong. A special thank you to executive producer Doki Fashian, senior producer Evan Ottenfield, producer Sidney Richards, and editor Parker Tant from parkerpodcasting.com. Swamp Stories is recorded in Tennessee, edited in Texas, and can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is part of the Democracy Group.